Hallelujah. Holy, holy is the Lord. As we sing of this hope, we sing of our faith. We are going through this really nice series of sermons. The series called Meals with Jesus. And you know, this idea of having a meal with Jesus is great to me. I, I, the only thing I think is about like having a barbecue, a southern Brazilian barbecue, with Jesus sitting there, being served, all these things. Yeah, you can check on Google what a southern Brazilian barbecue means. Yeah, it's great. But the, there's something that gets me a little bit nervous about that. When I think that we can't ask any question to Jesus, then the trouble starts there for me. Yes, it's almost like when you, when you have, you know, when you have these questions, uh, Sunday school teachers love to make these questions. Who is the most powerful man of the world? And then you say, when, you were, when I was young, He-Man, Lyle-O, or whatever, now super, Superman, or whatever. And they will say, no, it's Jesus. And then, oh, it's always like that. And the same, I remember when, when Aaron came here and he was asking people, who would you invite to come to a lunch, a dinner with you? Who would you invite? And some people said Michael Jackson and Pokemon and Spider-Man, all this stuff. I remember you. I took some notes. And then I was thinking, yes, a, a Sunday a teacher of Sunday school teacher would say, oh, wrong answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer, right? They, there was always this catch. And it seems to me like when, you, when people were, when you check the Bible and you ask some questions to Jesus, he would come with these unexpected, unexpected answers. Every time. Can you remember a, a time when Jesus came with an unexpected answer? Just take a second and think. When I was preparing this sermon, the episode in the Bible that came to my mind was when some people tried to test Jesus, the first thing. Uh, they, told the, they told him a complicated situation, and in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, will check Jesus replying, you are in error because you do, do not know the scriptures or the power of God. If you go from Matthew uh, 22, 16 earlier, so you will see on verse 16, you will find another situation when Jesus answered unexpectedly. And his answer, I won't read the, the, the text for you. You can read at your home. But then he answered, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. Do you remember this story? If you don't, it's super nice. I would encourage you to go there and check. Take this note, Matthew 22, 16. In a different situation yet, he, he said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Do you remember this story? Jesus answering so unexpectedly. And as I started checking all of these Jesus' answers, I almost moved to a sermon about that. Yeah, but wouldn't that be fascinating to talk about the answers of Jesus? Maybe we should go through that. Maybe the next sermon will be about that. But then I also remember that uh, Jesus was not answering like 
every time like that. When, when you check, like, the disciples, they were sent and in Mark, Mark 6, and they come back, and they have all this multitude of people, and they are hungry, and, and they come to Jesus and say, uh, how, what we will do now? We, they are hungry. What we will do? And then Jesus said, well, just feed them. And it's surprising to them, this answer, but they were just spelling demons. They were like healing people. They were announcing the, the gospel of Jesus just before. If you check like 10 or 15 verses before, they were doing that. So Jesus gave answers that challenged people when they came ready to test him and see if he knew what he was talking about, if he had authority. Ultimately, some uh, wanted to embarrass him, and you see that. But he had a very different answer, or different answers, uh, depending on how people came to him. When people came humbly and in need, he had different answers. So I can remember of one passage in, in John 3, when, when Nicodemus come, came to him. So... And we also see that to, this, to his disciples, he said, he, he will tell parables to everyone. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything on Mark 4.34. What then is, will be my questions to Jesus? What will be your questions to Jesus today? If you had a meal, if you have a meal with him, what will be your questions? Lots of questions. If you're online, you can start typing there and sending us the, the questions you would have. If you're not, you're here. You can uh, talk with us about that. What will be your questions to the pastoral team? You know, Jamie Hargrave, he's not, I don't think he's here to, uh, this morning, but he's one of my mentors. He has helped me a lot uh, on how to become a better pastor. So he's helping me, and we are meeting uh, every, every month. And one thing that I'm learning a lot with him is this, that he, he never paused to say, I want to teach you that, but something that he does every time I present a question or a situation to him, he says, what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about that? Let's try, what do you remember that the Bible says? It's very, it's a very Humbling conversation is not something that, it's not like a test, like a test, what do you know about the Bible, but what do you remember that is in the Bible to answer this question or to help you go through this situation? So, and sometimes I come to this uh, resolution that the answer for these questions were already there, and I was like missing all this time, I, I didn't have it, or I had it, but I never looked there. So I want to encourage you to look at the Bible. If you go back to Matthew 22, 16, 29, Jesus replied, You're in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. We know that Paul in the Bible had exhorted Timothy saying in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does, does not need to be ashamed and correctly 
and correctly handles the word of truth. Then in the next chapter, he writes in 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. On verse 17, so that the servant of God may, may be truly equipped for every good work. When I think about these scriptures, these three passages, I think I want to know the scriptures. I want to handle it well. I, know, I want to know the power of God. What, what should then I know about the scriptures? Let's pray together. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Lord, we came to this place to bless your name, grateful for the things you have done for us in our lives, in our families, grateful for this church, we recognize that we don't have always lived as you tell us to do in your word. And we ask for forgiveness today, Lord. And as we enter your presence, purify us and fill us with your Holy Spirit, as you promised. Holy Spirit, we ask you to remind us of Jesus' words and his power. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to listen and obey to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you're new to the faith, I want to introduce you to the Bible. If you read your Bible, <coughs> oops. if you already read your, read your Bible, I want to encourage you to continue doing that, continue reading your Bible, and I pray that God will use my words to invite you to learn more about the Bible and develop a deeper relationship with Him. Okay, what should I know about the Bible? Well, the Bible is a big book. Sometimes it's not encouraging to read it. It's a big book. It has history, literature, it has theology, it's a library, many books together, describing the origins of the Hebrew people, the person and work of Jesus Christ, and the spread of the Christian church. The central character of the Bible is God, the God who creates, legislates, rescues, rebels, uh, becomes human, and makes all things new. There is no book that has influenced the politics, politics, history, arts, literature, music, and culture of the Western civilization as much as the Bible. And I, know, I don't know if you have noticed, but unless you have a sound grasp of the Bible, you cannot understand Shakespeare, the art of Michelangelo, American history, the music of Bach and Beethoven, the musical Hamilton, or even TV sitcoms like The Simpsons. Finally, one thing is to read the Bible, and it's quite another thing to understand it. And it's still another thing to use it responsibly. Responsibly. That I got right. Bible is tough to understand. It's tough to understand because it is about history that is very distant from our own history. It's very distant. 
And it was written to ancient audience. It wasn't written for us. It was, oh, it was written for us, but was not written to us. So then what's the fundamental purpose of the Bible? Think with me about that. You know, here in Canada, I, I learned a, a, a nice term. It, it's called life hacks or life hack. Do you know that? Do you know what it means, right? Is that a, a new thing? Okay, well, to me, it's really, really new. I, I, I came prepared to teach you what life hack is, but I won't do that now anymore. Everybody knows, apparently. But if you are an immigrant like me or a newcomer, I will take advantage and I will, I will let you know what a life hack is. It's like a shortcut, something that will help you to be more efficient and more productive. Like I learned Ctrl-C and Ctrl-V to paste and copy and paste things. To me, it's a life hack. <laughs> also, I learned how to take a picture of a, a page in the book. And instead of typing all these things, I would just take a picture, get the OCR, and have it uh, converted to a test. It's super cool. A life hack. And some people love life hacks. Are you, are you like that? You love life hacks? Do you love life hacks? Yes. And then maybe you were expecting me to say, yes, the Bible is a, a collection of divine life hacks. Unfortunately, it's not. It's not. Yes, you can find things about marriage. You can learn about uh, what else? About work, how to work or to make a, a better workplace. Maybe you can find these things. But at the end, it's not, about, it's not a life hack. It contains advice about parenting and so much more. But the Bible was not written to help you to lose weight, to find a better career to be more productive, to be a better you, or to discover yourself, though we see many publications that will say the opposite. Like the, you can find a diet for you to, to lose weight in the Bible or this type of things. Well, the Bible can help you with temporal elements of life, but its purpose transcends it and leads us to God's person, His love and promises. Isn't that wonderful? It's great to me. You can experience the pur purpose and power of the Bible, the Scriptures, through the discipline of reading. There's no other way. Immersing yourself in the mystery of God. What does this power do to us? What does this power do to us? It transforms us. What else? It shapes us to Christ's image. It heals us. It delivers us. All part of a crucial process that here at the Alliance we call sanctification. The Bible can have all sorts of functions, uses, applications, and blessings. But I want you to keep these words in mind. Knowledge, faith, love, and hope. These are the key. These are the chief among them. And if you get these four words, then you get the Bible. I said knowledge. If you want to know God, you read the Bible. Across the scriptures, we have numerous examples where knowing God is associated to knowing the scriptures. 
Yes. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to, to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 119, 9-11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me astray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible tells us who is God and what is his character. Character. God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love. Deuteronomy 7, 9. In Psalm 103, it is he who made us, God creator, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 1 John 4, 16. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Through a reading of Scripture and the knowledge of God that, is give, that it gives us, we begin to grasp ever more profoundly the love and beauty of the God who knows, who knows us and loves us. If you read your Bible, you will see God incarnated, Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6 to 10, we can read together. John 14, 6 to 10. Oh, actually, let's go from five, uh, five to ten, please, Joel. John fourteen, five to ten. If you have your device or your Bible with you, Thomas said to him, "Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you are. Where you're going? So how can we know the way?" Another question. And then Jesus answered, "I am the way and the truth and the life." No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the, in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So we get to know more about the Father, about Jesus. The more we know God, the more we love him and develop our faith in Jesus. Well, faith is one thing that the scriptures do to us. They bring us to a point of faith. Like we were singing these songs, all these songs based on the scriptures, and they bring us to faith. If you read the Bible, if you read about Jesus healing people, talking with them and changing their lives, I think it's impossible for you not to get changed you not to get touched because then because these words they are so powerful and they bring you to uh, this point of faith and if you check acts 3 for example we, we see to me this is 
so great. We see Peter and John coming to at the door of the temple, and this, they see this man who cannot walk, and he's begging for something, for money, and they say, you know, look at us, look at us. We don't have silver, we don't have gold, but what do we, we have? We give you, in Jesus' name, stand up and walk. What a beautiful passage. If you go to uh, John uh, 20, 30 to 31, you will find what the author of the book wrote. John 20, 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In John 5:24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And finally, Romans 10, 17, Paul said, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we start having this faith. We know God, then we develop our faith, and then we start increasing our love for God and also for others. We start, when we start to know God, we see that His love, that He is love, as we read in John 3:16. Porque Deus amou o mundo de tal maneira que deu o seu Filho unigênito para que todo aquele que nele crê não pereça, mas tenha a vida eterna. And this one is our, in our hearts. And I will say that in English now. And this is hard. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yeah. You probably memorized this already. Like me in Portuguese. I have to memorize in English now. Well, I mentioned earlier that uh, the more we know God, the more we love him. First John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in, in love lives in God and God in them. I read this before in a different version. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of the judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. If you skip to 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. We also find love in the Shema, the most basic Israel's creed. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength in Deuteronomy 6, 5. And if you continue reading Deuteronomy 6, you will find again the association between love and the Word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them with when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down 
and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Nine, write them on the door frames of your houses in your gateways. In Jesus' ministry, we see the idea of a double love, love for God and love for others. And I like to go through some uh, scriptures with you. I want you to go through with me uh, to Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And just a parenthesis here, this is one of the answers of Jesus to another person, so you should check. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That was in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. We'll go to John 15, 12 and 13. John 15, 12 and 13. My commandment, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That was in John 15, 12, and 13. Romans 13, 8, and 9. Romans 13, 8, and 9. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love that to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are are other three passages I I will let you to check after. 1 Peter 4.8, James 2.8, and 1 John 4.11 and 12. I'm sure you, most of you have heard about the Corinthians 13, and maybe that was a passage that came to your mind. Corinthians 13, thirteen is also called the love chapter. I heard that here, too. I learned that it's called the love chapter. And I like to read with you from Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Well, some people treat this passage as Paul was writing 
uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians and you start reading it, it's almost like he suddenly has an, uh, something, a crisis or whatever. Maybe I'm being so hard on people, and then I have to talk about love. And maybe I could have something that is spiritual enough to be Christian and not too heavy to make unchurched folks uncomfortable. Uh, in a wedding, for example, I could read and then people could take advantage of that. But here, what is happening is that Paul is talking to people who were arguing about the proper way to worship. If you get the context, uh, they are asking whose, whose worship is better, whose gifts are better, what is the hierarchy of gifts? Because I, I speak in tongues, so maybe I should be the first. Oh, I prophesize, maybe I should. So he's dealing with these things, and he goes with, with that. What he does with this chapter, the 13th, talking about love, he's saying that this entire battle around ideas, I'm more spiritual than the others, is missing the main point. If you want to be spiritual, you have to love. You have to love God. You have to love others. If you want to worship, you have to read your Bible. And then you have to love God and the others. You develop it. So as we continue reading our Bible, something that will start also developing in us is hope. Romans 15.4. In Romans 15.4, Paul says, I can give you all these notes if you want to review all these scriptures. Uh, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We might have hope. Yes, this is Paul's answer to the purpose of the scripture here, is bringing endurance and hope. We will find a great sense of hope in the Psalms. If you go to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkness darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hope. If you go to the Psalms, as I said, you will find this hope. We just sing about hope of being together with all the saints, singing holy, 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 like the Revelation says. Jesus wants to provide you and me with knowledge of God. Jesus wants to deepen our faith. He wants to increase our love for God and for others. He wants to help us to rest in the hope that God is for us in Him, in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know more about God? Do you want to have this deeper faith, a deep faith? Do you want to increase your love for God and others? Do you want to rest 
in the hope that God is for us in Jesus Christ? Well, if your answer is yes to one of this, or some of this, or all of this, I want to tell you what the next step is. And maybe you got it already. You should start reading your Bible. If you're already doing that, you should get deep in on that. You should start studying more about that. Today we want to give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles to give you. We want to encourage you to read it. And we are here to help you too. If you need help reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, you can come to me or to any of the pastors here. We can chat with you. If you want to chat with, uh, be connected to another person, we can connect you to another person who knows the Bible and can teach you too. It will be a great experience. We are, we are longing for that. Yes, to that, for that. Yes. So if you're into technology, I, I want to tell you, you can use uh, some Bible apps. I use your version, you, your version. Uh, you can set a reading plan. You can track what you're reading, all this stuff and on your app. It's, it's cool. And you, it can help you to keep uh, reading systematically. I also suggest you to go to Bible Project, thebibleproject.com. You will find lots of videos that can, they can help you to understand the context, the historical context and cultural context of the books, the, each of the books you're reading. It's a very helpful tool. But at the end, ultimately, this is the book you should be reading. Whatever is your case, let us get to know God, love Him and others, and rest in his hope. God bless you. Amen.